Hallelujah. Come on, somebody praise the Lord in here. Let's testify. Come on, let's testify. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm sorry, but I got to ask y'all to sing some more of that. Come on, just sing that again. And while they sing, let's just praise the Lord in this place. Hallelujah. the name of Jesus hallelujah oh praise the name of the Lord that's what the saints ought to do testify and let the world know Jesus changed my life Jesus got a hold of me and touched me he changed me he delivered me from drugs and alcohol 
why not testify? Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord praise in here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's so good to be here this morning in this service. and I'm grateful to God for what he's done. I thank God and honor these singers and musicians and for the praise and worship. It's so good to see uh, these individuals. Some of them I've watched grow up and now Sawyer is graduating high school. I didn't. That means we're getting old too. <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm grateful to watch uh, what the Lord is doing, the family, uh, Brother Jason and Summer and their family, just awesome people. And, uh, and I'm honored to call him friend, them friends. And, um, and to be able to be here at this church at the appointed time. God doesn't do anything by accident. And, uh, and I'm just grateful to God to be here and to see everyone here. And uh, what the Lord... <laughs> has done even on last night I'm grateful and we just pray that the Lord uh, touches us today and helps us if you have your Bibles I want you to go ahead and turn to second Samuel second Samuel chapter 6 second Samuel chapter 6 and we'll jump into it in the sixth verse and bear with me as I am a little lengthy in the reading but uh, I won't read the whole chapter, but I'll kind of address the whole chapter. <laughs> uh, we took it back to the old days. They would read the entire law. Imagine that if we just started in Genesis and read all the way through uh, throughout the book of Deuteronomy every Sunday. You would really see who would want to come to church. <laughs> the Bible says for what? I believe it was some six hours. They read the word of God, and Ezra and the men of God, they stopped and did expository teaching and explained. That's what we should be doing, and that's what uh, our dear brother, the pastor here, is doing, and, and his wife. And that's what preachers of the gospel ought to do, read the word and explain the word. Second Samuel chapter 6 and verse 6, it says this, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth, or Uzzah, some people pronounce it different. I say Uzzah as a southern boy. Uh, he put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah until this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him, unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. 
And it was told David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the house, into the city, I'm sorry, of David with gladness. And it was so when they bare the ark of the Lord and had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. And I want to minister, and you guys in the back, forgive me. The Lord kind of changed this on my way here. <laughs> but I want to minister for just a few moments a message entitled, And David Danced Before the Lord. And David danced before the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for this privilege, this hour, this church, these wonderful people of God. Lord, we ask for the anointing again, the help of the Holy Spirit, the one who makes preaching and teaching easy. Lord, we ask you fall in this place. Help us and help us as a people to hear what you are saying to us this morning. And Lord, we give you all the glory and the praise and we ask it all in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. The man of God, David. Most of us who are any type of Bible student have read about David's life and we have seen so many highs and so many lows in this man's life. You've seen David experience some wonderful and awesome victories and unfortunately we see David go through some horrid failures in his life. Uh, some things that I'm sure and we know he was not proud of but God, nonetheless, left those things on record for us to see. And we should learn from the life of David. We should glean from the scriptures and what it says concerning David's life. And as we take up the text this morning in the sixth chapter of 2 Samuel, uh, just a little history here. David has now become king over all of Israel, not just part of it. And the first thing he did, of course, was capture Jerusalem. He took the city, uh, the only city in the Bible that God said he would put his name was the place of Israel, uh, the place of Jerusalem, I'm sorry. And Jerusalem, the Israelites, of course, we know were the so chosen people of God. They still are. The Bible is clear concerning God's dealings with Israel. Now, of course, God is dealing with the church right now. We're living in this age of the church age. Uh, but there's coming a time where the church is going to be raptured out of the world, and God will resume his dealings with Israel. Every promise that God made Israel, he is going to keep. No nation will be able to destroy them. Isn't that amazing? That small nation has never been able to be completely and utterly destroyed. God's watchful hand has always been there. And God will resume his dealings with Israel. They are his chosen people. And of course, uh, here the text, the Bible teaches us that David now wants to bring the ark of God back to its rightful place. And I'm, I'm just giving a little history, so just bear with me if you don't mind for just a few moments this morning. Uh, the ark of God, if you go back to the book of Exodus, uh, it was a piece of furniture that was in Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness. 
and the Ark of the Covenant was a type of the throne of God, the presence of God that would dwell with his people. Now, of course, you guys know the, they had the outer courts and you had the altar, uh, you had the, uh, the, the curtains that were hanging there, and then you would go in into the holy place, the sanctuary, you would have the golden lampstand, the table of showbread, and then there was another curtain inside of that called a veil. And in front of the veil, there was an altar of incense, and uh, beyond the veil was the Ark of the Covenant. And inside of the Ark was the Ten Commandments. Uh, and on top of the Ark was this golden top called the Mercy Seat. And the Mercy Seat was pure gold beaten into an object and it was had two cherubims and they were looking down on uh, this piece of furniture but they couldn't see inside of it they could only see mercy some of y'all get that in just a moment uh, the mercy seat was stained with blood blood that was taken from the altar i.e. the cross and that mercy seat they couldn't see the broken law they could only see the blood and in exodus god told the people of israel i'm going to meet you there if you want to deal with me you're going to have to deal with me right there and i thank god that he had mercy on all of us the bible tells us uh, that this ark was built and it was supposed to have rings around it and this is important to the text and there were long poles that were put into the ark called staves and they were covered with gold as well and it was never to be exposed it was never to be born with the hands of man or carried by the hands of man it was always to be carried on the shoulders of the priest so when you, I'm telling you all of that, so by the time you get to 2 Samuel chapter 6, it must be asked, how did we get here? When God's word was clear concerning how to carry the ark. His word has been clear. And see, and I'll get into this in just a few more moments, uh, for just a few moments. This is the bane of the current church. We do things our own way, and we don't take God's word into consideration. Uh, we say, well, we'll be all right if we do it this way, but what does the word say? And when we don't do things according to the word, we get in trouble. And David and the people of God, and, and here's something you got to realize. They took the ark, and they, the Bible says they sat it upon a new cart. Oh, God is not pleased. He was not pleased. And as they were carrying it on a new cart, it was exposed for everybody to see. They were mishandling the presence of God. They were mishandling the ark of God. And so the Bible tells us that the ark, uh, I mean, the, the oxen that were carrying it, it kind of shook a little bit. And the ark was uh, seemingly going to fall. And a young man who meant well. Just because you mean well doesn't mean you're right. He meant well and he reached out his hand and he grabbed the ark. God forbid. And the Bible says when he grabbed it, he died. As a matter of fact, to be clear, it says God's anger was kindled against him. And God smote him. 
Oh, you got to hear that. It didn't say David killed him or any of the men, but it said God smote him. And see, that's the part of God that we don't want to preach about in the church today. In this new seeker-sensitive movement, we want to make everybody feel okay and everybody to feel just happy-go-lucky, and we refuse to preach this aspect of God. But you cannot preach the goodness of God and then neglect to preach the wrath of God. God is a loving God. He is a faithful God. He is a good God, and he is a God who is angry with the wicked every single day. God is unalterably opposed to sin in me, in you, in the world. He is unalterably opposed to it. And we live in a time where man is literally, if you read Romans chapter 1, it talks about the wrath of God. His wrath of God. The wrath of God is from heaven against all unrighteousness. That's why our hearts break when we watch what we see going on before us today. The perversion and the ungodliness, the attack on our babies. You think about that for just a moment. You've got people right now in power who could care less about our children. They could care less about our babies. They're pushing laws and pushing agendas that would take an innocent six-year-old baby and turn them out into sexual perversion and promiscuity. And you think God is not angry? And that's why he raises up the church to be a standard in a time of darkness. See, I, we, we've got to make sure we understand. America is not the standard. The church is supposed to be the standard. Can I get a witness in here? No party is the standard. Those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus are supposed to be the standard. We are supposed to be the ones living out the word of God. That's why Paul told the church of Ephesus, walk worthy of the vocation. He said, you're a Christian, act like a Christian. Talk like a Christian. Live like a Christian. We're supposed to be holy. Oh, can I be old-fashioned as they call me this morning and preach a holiness message? God has still called the church to holiness. God has still called us to be different, to stand out. I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be affiliated with it. That's why people have asked me many times as, as a young black preacher, they said, listen, we want you to get involved. We want you to uh, uh, let this man come to your church and talk to your people. If he's not coming to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't want to hear his agenda. I don't want to hear what he has. I, I don't want to hear about his committee. I want to know what you do with Jesus Christ. The communities, my community needs Jesus. Every community needs Jesus Christ. And we have lowered the standard. I, I, somebody told me, and I was looking at it, and you see now the church is debating, having committee meetings. Can you imagine going to a board meeting, and they're in the board meeting discussing what marriage is? The church... Somebody asked, well, what do you stand on it? I said, my problem is not what they're talking about. 
My problem is the fact that we even have to have the conversation. Well, you're narrow-minded. I'm supposed to be. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Yes, I'm narrow-minded because I believe that there is only one way to the Father. And that's through Jesus Christ. Holiness. Holiness. He called me to be different. He called you to be different. He called us to stand out. He called us to talk different, to walk different, to dress different, to act different, to look different, to sound different, to treat our neighbor differently. We don't treat people the way the world treats people. We've got a responsibility to stand up for truth. And there's only one revealed truth in the world, and it's the word of God. And that's where we are. They were telling me that the conversation were being had about, well, should we marry couples who are same-sex? And the fact that they had to have the conversation. Understand what I'm saying? The fact that you, 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 if you stand here and, 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 and a man, two men are standing before you and you actually have the audacity to be a preacher of the gospel, and to go through vows that are sacred for one man and one woman. God help us. Holiness. And we can't be the church and yet help the world destroy what God has ordained and sanctioned. And listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. I got to be, I, I'm, I'm going to be consistent here. And so it's not just the, the same sex, but now we've got, oh God, help me. We, we, we're destroying the sanctity of the home. We, we're married, divorced, married. By the time you're 40, you've been married five times. God help us to hold sacred the sanctity of marriage and the family. Just get mad and leave. <laughs> See, once you say I do, you you you're saying I will. And you argue over crazy stuff. Who left the ketchup out? And you ain't talked in five hours over a ketchup bottle. Anybody know what y'all don't talk, don't amen me, because my wife ain't here, so I <laughs> and you start realizing what flesh is still there. But he called us to be holy. He called us to be different. And this is what was the problem with David. He said, David, I want you to be different. See, this is the way the Philistines handled my ark. They didn't care about it. But David, you were supposed to be different. You, was, you are the man that I called. I called you above Saul to be the first king of Israel. You should know what the Bible says. This tells us. That just because you're called and anointed, doesn't mean God's going to give you a pass. They'll care. I'm going to leave that alone. Let me get to this. 
They carried the ark on a new cart. Uzzah grabbed it. He died. See, this is a move of God. Wait a minute. I don't want that kind of move of God. I'm praying for revival, but I don't want that to happen. You can't pray for revival and then tell God how to move. You can't say we want a move of God, but then say, well, I don't want you to use Lakeside Church. See, we get into that in the church. I was so glad at what brother said last night concerning churches ever. We're not the only one. The church needs to adapt that mindset and stop producing this selfish gospel that we are the only ones right. And if you're not in this church, surely you're not getting the gospel. That is division. It's a cult mentality. God can use you in, in North Carolina. He can use you in Florida. He can use you in Timbuktu if you will just hold truth to the word of God. He was supposed to be different. He was supposed to be called and ordained. And he allowed this to happen. And all of a sudden, Uzzah dies. And he says, the Bible says David was angry with God. It didn't matter. You ever been mad at God? Don't answer that. <laughs> David was displeased because of what God had done. And then he named the place. You know you're mad when you change the name of a whole area because you're mad at God. God didn't change his mind. He didn't resurrect Uzzah. God's demand was to do it God's way. I'm, I'm always appreciative of, of, of church. Listen, I, I, I say this. I don't, I don't like going to places or preaching in places where people are, are, don't want God to move in other churches. We, we can't really get anything done. We got the, I'm, we're the only ones. We don't know God's going to move here. He's going, and then we get so deep, we, we think God actually told us that. I can assure you, if it's not in the Bible, God didn't tell it to you. Maybe it's something that you wanted, but it's not what God said. So my prayer as a man of God is that God pours out his spirit in Lakeside Church of God. Over 300 million people living in this country. And your church holds 200 people. And you're praying that God traps himself in that building and doesn't move anywhere else. Isn't that crazy? We need a touch from God in this nation. We need churches everywhere. Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers. Not just one, but many to gather. He said the harvest is too great for just us. We need others to go out and gather. We need all. We need men. We need women. We need blacks. We need whites. We need Hispanics. We need natives. We need his. I mean, we need them all to gather in the harvest. As I died, David was displeased. Y'all, this is really an introduction. Forgive me, because I ain't even got to David dancing yet. I just got to give you the bad news first. <laughs> because see, the Bible says. 
that they were shouting and playing music while they were carrying the ark on a new cart. So you can actually praise God the wrong way. You in church shouting and dancing and going in and going crazy and you know you have unforgiveness in your heart. You've offended people and won't apologize. And God said, listen, go get it right. Leave your gift at the altar. You are to be pure. Can I preach to you in here? You can't just offend and gossip and backbite and just talk down to people and hurt people. And then you're Sunday morning ready. Look at your neighbor and say, clean it up. what God telling me get it right and that's not to say we're going to praise God in, in the we're, we're preaching sinless perfection but come on saints God is dealing with you God is telling you this is wrong this is wrong you need to apologize to this sister or this brother and you just praising God and you've hurt them I didn't plan to preach that that just came up so just just take it for what it's worth saints they were shouting, they were praising God, and they were doing it the wrong way. God was saying, basically, I'm not in that. It looks like me. It sounds like me. Oh, they, just like Paul told the church, or Paul told Timothy, he said, you have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And what I want to preach to you this morning is that we should praise, but we ought to praise him the right way. And then while they were dancing and while they were playing, man, can you imagine something like that happening? I like to try to put myself in the text. I'm, I'm from the Church of God in Christ. Some of you are familiar with it. This is the largest African-American uh, Pentecostal denomination in the world. Founded in 1908, I believe it was, by Bishop Charles Harrison Mason from Lexington, Mississippi. And let me tell you something. If you've ever been in a black church, a black Pentecostal church, we dance <laughs> from 11 o'clock a.m. to 3 o'clock. We stayed in church all day. They started church at 11 o'clock. We start by 11.15. Don't laugh too hard. Because I know y'all heard the stereotypes. I'm, I'm okay with it. Go ahead and laugh. Well, black folk don't start nothing on time. We, my, man, we go to church. My mom would dance, and she would shout, and she would praise God. I didn't understand it because we came out of the Mormon church. So you pretty much go from That's the Mormon church. I like to share my testimony because I know this church is true. And that's how they testify. Jesus Christ is the Latter-day Saints. And amen. And we walked in that church of God in Christ. At 11.15, I remember Elder Michael Virgil hit that organ. And man, you heard screams. Folk were running, bucking, shouting. 
the preacher preached with a tune. If you have, you know what I'm talking about. That it's in my it's in my genes. I'm sorry. So if you hear me tune a little bit, it's just who I am. <laughs> Can't help it. And they and, and they were just shouting. I didn't understand it. So that first Sunday, and then I looked over at my mom, and she's over here just going crazy. And we're nudging, it's five kids, it's five of us. What's wrong with mama? These folks done put a spell on her. I mean, I was, we were, and we went home that day, and man, we were, we were, we mocked them. We were mimicking them. We danced all over the house being crazy and foolish. But March 17th, 2002, I got saved for real. <laughs> and I was in church and the power of God started moving in the sanctuary. And I felt the wind blow through that. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And I was trying to be cool and dignified. But before long, I was in the aisle jumping and shouting and dancing and running because I knew it's real. It wasn't a show because when I think about the goodness of the Lord, I can dance all night long. Somebody give God praise in here. Now you can't help but praise God. Now you can't help but wave your hands. Now you can't help but shout, hallelujah. Somebody give God praise if you know what I'm talking about. It's real to me. All of the drama had taken place. All of the, 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 the they were, it was out of the will of God. And let me, like I was telling you, I was little. And they just praise, they praise all day long. I had two services on Sunday. My brother Mario literally told me, he said, man, I want to go to hell, man, because this going to heaven is just too much. I'm being honest with you. He's saved now. Don't hold that against him. <laughs> we had Sunday morning church. Some of y'all come from Pentecostal backgrounds. You know what I'm talking about. Sunday night church. Monday choir rehearsal. Tuesday night prayer and Bible band. Wednesday night youth service, purity classes, we called it. Thursday night prayer meeting, Bible study. Friday night service. Saturday night, I'm being honest with you. And my mom was in every one of them. We didn't even have a car. She woke us up Sunday morning and we walked to church. And I, we used to be so mad, but I, every day or I, every time I think about it, I am so overjoyed that she woke me up and said, if you live in my house, you're going to church. And today I'm sanctified because of her prayers and because of her zeal before God. Praise God. David was displeased, I got to hurry, and David didn't know what was going on, and David, and the Bible says, David wouldn't move, now David is reverencing God, he's, he's realizing I did something wrong, and then that's when you really start growing, when you stop looking at everybody else, and say, Lord, what, show me, show me what's in me that's off, show me what's in me that's hindering me, 
And David was afraid, and David wouldn't move. And then they took the ark and put it in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and God blessed everything in his house. The presence of God will bless you. The presence of God will bless your children. The presence of God will bless your grandchildren. He will bless everything about you. And David realized that they were out of kilter. They were out of sorts, out of step with God's word. All we got to do is get back to the word. And David, they took this and they finally got the staves and they bore the ark the right way. And David knew now because the presence of God was there. And every few feet they took, they would stop and offer sacrifices because they knew if it had not been for the blood, we wouldn't even be here. And that's the church today. We ought to continue to look to Calvary because that is the source. That is the answer that brings us the blessings of God. Not a one-time thing, but daily. And then when David saw that they were in the will of God, the Bible said this in verse, let's look at it, verse 13. And it was so that when the ark of the Lord came, every six paces he offered sacrifices. And verse 14 says, and David danced before the Lord with all of his might. All right, that was all of my introduction. I'm going to preach now. I got to preach a five-minute sermon. Here it go. He said David danced with all of his might. The king took off his kingly garments. And the Bible says he danced before the Lord. In other words, it wasn't a show. He didn't care that people were looking at him funny. He was doing this for the Lord. And that's what I came to preach to you this morning. It's time that we praise the Lord, that we dance before the Lord, that we, it, dancing is not the only way of praising God. Don't let me lock you into that box there. But there are many forms of praising God. But in whatever way you do it, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. If you're wondering where we're going in this service, we're going to praise the Lord this morning. We're going to shout this morning. We're going to give God glory this morning because he's been good to us. I'm mean, Every song that they were singing was just about praising the Lord, about giving God glory. And listen, you're going to have to learn to dance through tragedy. Uzzah died and David was dancing. You're going to have to learn how to shout through being insulted. You're going to have to learn how to praise God when you're in the heat of the battle. But I've got to give God praise anyway because he's been good to me. He praised him. He praised him. And here's something. His wife. She was looking out the window, and she was had a displeasure. She had a displeasing look on her face. She despised David in her heart, and you know how we do when we got a bad attitude. Look at him. <laughs> The guy say one time, listen, that's a, a woman can look at you many ways. 
she can be when she can say, look at him. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he just he just works so hard? She can say the same words and mean it in a whole different way. Look at him, y'all. That's my baby right there. And then the next day, look at him. I told him to fix that window yesterday. Look at it. <laughs> Let me leave that. <laughs> am I right about it, sister? Y'all going to talk back to me. Brothers, are you afraid to say amen? <laughs> You're going to have to learn how to praise God when your wife mad at you. When your children don't like it. My mom praised God and even though we were making fun of the folk, she was still praising God. In 1993, my father died of cancer. I'm, I'm literally, he died just before, I'm the exact age he was when he died. 40 years old, 41 years old, going into 41 years old. He died of cancer. Drugs had, had just overcome him. The drinking and the smoking and the drugs over the years. And it was, it was, it was tragic. It was horrible. I, I, I mean, I, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was 13 years old, and he, he had gotten sick. He was in jail, and he had gotten sick. And, and I remember talking to him on the phone, and he was gasping for air. And I didn't know he was that sick. And then he went into the hospital, and they called us, and we had to go. And they told my mom, your husband is not going to make it through the night. He's gone. And my mom's one prayer was, Lord, save my husband. That's all I need you to do. Just save Henry Nash. I want you to save him. And she would call his name out, save him, save him, Lord. I would hear her praying in the bedroom, save my children, save my husband. That night passed, and he was still alive. He was on life support, unresponsive. And she kept crying, she kept praying, she kept praying, she kept praying. And we went in there one day, and they had taken all the tubes out. He was breathing on his own, he was responsive. And we were able to visit with him. He was talking. And we went into the hospital. They moved him to Jackson, Mississippi. And it's something about being spirit-filled. God will speak to you. God will show you things. And I know the world doesn't believe that. So you think God talks to you? I'm telling you it's real. God gave my mother a peace. He told her. I'm going to take him, but I'm going to take him to save him. She went in that hospital room. I'll never forget it. She grabbed his hand and she said, Henry, I'm going to pray with you. And if you'll believe, Jesus will save you right here where you are. And she prayed the sinner's prayer with him. He was able to pray. He was able to respond. And do you know that night at 1130, they called the house and said Henry Nash had passed. September of 1993. And I, I wasn't saved. I was, I was angry with God. I was mad. And I saw something I had never seen before. When we went to the funeral, my mom, if you, listen, I don't know if you've ever been to a black Pentecostal funeral. 
it's a celebration. When the person that's laying in the coffin was saved, it's a celebration. We, we don't even call them funerals where I'm from. We call them home-going celebration. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're not here to be doom and gloom. We're here to celebrate the life and the fact that when he died on this side, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. She shouted at the funeral. She danced at the funeral. She said, Lord, thank you for saving him. I didn't understand it at that time, but she danced when he died. There was over $300,000 worth of debt and hospital bills. She kept dancing. No car, no shoes. She had one pair of shoes that she had to wear every single Sunday. She kept dancing. Those shoes had holes in them. And she kept dancing, working two and three jobs to keep us fed and God blessed her God kept her mind and God brought her out of it saints you can praise him through the tragedy you can shout through the drama you can shout through the pain David danced with all of his might and I came to tell you it's time for you to dance with all of your might and give God praise singers and musicians you can come it's time to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But I'm hurting. Praise the Lord. I don't know how I'm going to make it out. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand all over the house of God? Hallelujah. She kept dancing. She kept praising. She turned 63 this year. She remarried a godly man. We've got a close bond relationship. Thomas Mobley, crazy joker, I tell you. <laughs> but he loves God. He loves God. Not strung out on drugs, not strung out on alcohol, but saved and full of the Holy Ghost and tongue talking. God brought her through. The poverty. He brought her through the debt. He brought her through it all. I've had to praise God through some tragedy. I've had to go through some difficult times. But as Brother Andre Crouch said, through every situation, God gave consolation. He said, if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know how that God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. Through it all, I've learned how to trust in Jesus. I've learned how to trust in God through every situation, through every trial. God has taught us that you need to praise and you need to rejoice and give God glory. The altar call is simple. If this message is dealing with you, if there's something in your heart, if there's a problem, if tragedy, I don't know what it is. Whatever your need is today, I'm going to ask you to come, but don't come depressed. 
Don't come downtrodden and downhearted. Come rejoicing and praising God. Come giving God the glory. Why? Because God is the source of your blessing. And you ought to praise him through the storm. You ought to praise him through the trauma. Praise him through everything. If you're here and you just want to come and pray and praise God, whatever you guys have, just begin to sing. Come on, begin to praise him. Hallelujah. Bless the name of Jesus. Come on, let's praise Him. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Praise Him for your brother in Christ. Praise Him for your sister. Praise Him for your unsaved loved one. Just praise Him in advance. Praise him right now. Thank you, Jesus. David danced out of his garments. His wife said, you look like a fool dancing out here. David said, if you thought I danced today, I'm going to be more vile the next time. I'm going to praise him with everything in me. Come on and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's praise him in this place. Hallelujah. 
bless the name of Jesus. Don't worry about who's around. Don't worry about what they say out there. Let's praise them in here. Let's corporately, in unison, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't mind looking crazy. I don't mind looking crazy. I'm going to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. but it means the world to me. I've learned too to praise Him through some difficult times. But that day, the Lord erased everything from my mind, from my heart, and he made it all new. I was no longer bound. I never smoked. I never drank. I never done drugs. But I was bound by pornography. And that day, he set me free. And I want to tell you something. 
I no longer had to live under the fear of, of trying to cover my tracks and trying to hide what I've been doing and where I've been looking and where I've been going because that day God changed everything about me. And I no longer looked at my wife as just the love, but she is the love of my life. And I understand now what love is because through all of that garbage and all the hell that I put myself through, that I put my wife through, the Lord restored it all. And I didn't want to get up here and tell you this, but the, God, the Lord told me, you got to tell Him, you got to testify. So I don't know what kind of hell you brought through those doors, but if you'll come and leave it at the altar, you'll leave change. You can shout your way out, and you can shout it out honestly. Because I too grew up in a Pentecostal church, and I too ran and jumped and danced, but I too handled the ark of God, and I mishandled it. But thank God for His mercy and His grace that He had mercy on me, and He didn't, He didn't, he didn't even let me die. He let me live. So I don't know what you brought in here. But I'm telling you right now, if you'll come and leave it right here, you can leave and you can leave with victory in your life. Not just talking about it. And I didn't get up here to tell you all of this for you to know all my past because I'm not proud of it. But I promise you this. He can take you from a life of misery you can lay your head down at night in peace and knowing it's going to be alright I know that in this place there are some people who have been set free from drugs and alcohol and other addictions and I tell you right now I don't know how you stand behind the seat without shouting because if it were not for God you wouldn't be here today sing it again and I want you to praise Him bring it to the altar and leave it this morning
my life had an anthem for a song, it'd be that Man. God's so good. He's so good. And you can't praise him enough. And people, you might be back there and you wonder why I'm up here sweating and, 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 and worshiping the Lord when they sing this stuff. I know what I'm saying. I'm not singing a song. I'm singing my life. And I know you can tell the same story. I've said it before. That it, and I said to these worship leaders, I said, the Lord is looking for lead worshipers more so than a, a worship leader. You know the story. You know your song. You know what he's done in your life. And I'm telling you that he'll continue to do so. I was standing right here thinking just a minute ago. I, I've been to many fireworks shows, and, and I'm not, I, I don't want to demean anything. But I can't wait till tonight to the finale. I'm telling you, it's been good, but he always just gets better. And it ain't about a, a loud noise, and it ain't about, it's about what the Lord will continue to do in and through our lives. And, and uh, he is just so faithful, so faithful. I want to let uh, Melanie say something real quick and uh, let her share something the Lord has done for her. Um, I'm shy, y'all, but I, the spirit was moving, and so I was going to talk. Um, he was talking about being delivered from alcohol and drugs, and I only say this for the Lord. Um, back when I had a two-fifths-a-day alcohol habit, and popped about 60 to 70 pills a day. Um, I was very, very depressed, going through some things, and I hated myself. I'd never been raised around the Lord or heard anything really about God. He was a name I'd heard, and I hated me, or so I thought I hated me. I now know it was the sin in me that I couldn't destroy, that I wanted to kill whatever I could kill. But so I succeeded, and twice I've been clinically dead, once for 18 minutes, but God had other plans. You might say, well, why did, why did God spare you and bring you back here? Well, maybe so I could let somebody hear that today. Um, and well, why are you on this walker? Why are you crippled? Well, I don't know, but he's not done with me yet. Don't give up because I haven't. Amen. Just keep praying for me. Amen. 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 <laughs> God is faithful, amen. <laughs> when you leave this place today, I want you to leave worshiping, praising, shouting. If you take it to the restaurant, that's fine. But if you do take it to the restaurant, make sure you tip your waiter or waitress well because they're they working hard for it. Don't run them to death and treat them like a dog. Take care of them. But we love you. Be back tonight, 6 o'clock. Don't miss it. Don't listen. I know you can tune in, but don't just tune in. Get your rear end here and, and, and join in person, okay? I know that probably wasn't the best way to say it, but that's the only way I know how. Get here tonight, 6 o'clock. <laughs>